We are Deep Space Industries. It's not just our name. It's what we do. Take me Hi, and welcome to the fourth episode of Space Ventures Radio, the podcast that takes a close look at the products, teams, and business models behind today's most exciting space ventures. My name is Raleigh Werner, and I'll be your host, and I'm especially excited about today's episode. I'm going to walk you through an asteroid mining company that not only has a big, bold vision of extracting resources from the thousands of asteroids that are within reach in our solar system, but also has an elegant strategy and the framework for an evolving set of business models to achieve that vision. That company is called Deep Space Industries. So if you're interested in what's going on in the commercial space sector and you want the nitty-gritty on what could turn out to be one of the most successful companies in the industry, stay tuned. Let's walk through an episode breakdown here so you know exactly what you're getting into. If you've listened to previous episodes, this section may be repetitive, so feel free to skip ahead about 60 seconds and get to the good stuff. For anyone who's brand new to the show, here's how I structure each episode. I'm going to start with something called the upshot, which is basically just a one to two minute high level overview of the company I'm focusing on. Again, this week, that's Deep Space Industries. Now, the goal with the upshot is to deliver as much value as I can as quickly as I can for anyone who just has a few minutes to listen. And after the upshot comes the real meat of the show, which I call the closer look. And I've structured this section to appear as a company might present itself in a pitch to potential investors. So the closer look is really just five main sections. First section is the problem that the company is addressing. Then we're going to look at the solution that the company is providing to that problem. Third is going to be the business model and the market opportunity that they're chasing. Fourth is talking about their founding team, who's behind this company. And the last section is going to talk about the competition and any potential exit strategies as well. So that'll wrap up the closer look section. After the closer look, I'll do a roadmap, basically looking at the next few months, years, even the next decade for this company, particularly because their vision is so long term. And after the roadmap is going to come the last section of this episode, this podcast, conclusions. And that's going to be my own personal estimations of how risky or how solid the company might be. So if that all sounds good to you, let's jump into that first section, the upshot. All right, into the upshot. Again, this is the fast money round, so this is going to be short and sweet. Deep Space Industries is a space resources company building towards its long-term vision of asteroid mining by building a solar system exploration platform that governments and other institutions looking to start a space exploration program can purchase. In a nutshell, DSI envisions a future where not only are the majority of spacecraft and technologies in space designed or even built by them, but also where these systems are reliant on the fuel and other resources that they harvest from asteroids. 
So basically, if you run a government and you want to start a space exploration program, you go to DSI and get the equipment. Then when you need to refuel or build further or add infrastructure in space, you go back to DSI for those resources. Pretty smart stuff. Now, DSI is expecting to make these in-space materials extracted from asteroids commercially available in the early 2020s. So one of the most impressive things about Deep Space Industries, which also serves as a testament to the company's founding team, is the fact that they've already established multiple revenue streams. So even though they expect their core business to revolve around asteroid mining and in-space materials, they're already on the path to being a profitable company while developing and selling the technologies that will require the very materials that they hope to build their core business on in the future. So there's definitely a very intricately woven roadmap for this company. And in terms of milestones coming up, the company's first spacecraft designed to land on a suitable asteroid and study its composition is projected to be launched between 2019 and 2022. So it'll definitely be exciting to watch this company's progress over the next few years. So that's the upshot. For those of you who can stick around, I'll go into a lot more depth about Deep Space Industries in a moment. If you have to jump out now, thank you so much for tuning in and have an awesome day. If you'd like to get updates about the podcast, feel free to follow Space Ventures Radio on Twitter. The handle is at Space Tech Radio. And for anyone who's still with me, let's jump in to the closer look. All right, this week's Closer Look is actually going to be a bit different than previous episodes. I've decided to blend the problem, solution, and business model sections into one mega section, and I'll tell you why. Deep Space Industries is chasing such a long-term vision that they've actually created a kind of Russian nesting doll of evolving business models and activities that all need to be put in context of one another to make a compelling story. For instance, just stating the long-term problem that DSI is addressing won't make much sense in the context of what's happening in the market today, but just talking about their current business activities will completely understate the sophistication of their strategy. As such, I'm going to work my way back from what the market looks like in DSI's final vision. We're talking decades from now. And then I'll talk about all the assumptions, the interdependencies, and the dynamics upon which that future is built. Hopefully, that will give you a good understanding of how DSI is carefully towing the line between low probability, long-term vision, and creating a profitable business. And before I dive in, I also want to give a huge hats off to Sarah Scholes of Wired, who published a piece on DSI on August 18th called How to Succeed in the Asteroid Business Without Really Mining. This piece offers some context and details I'll mention in the sections ahead, and I definitely couldn't have done this episode without her phenomenal research. So definitely check the article out. I've included a link to it in the show notes. And feel free to follow Sarah on Twitter. Her handle is at Sarah. That's at S-C-O-L-E-S-S-A-R-A-H. All right, here we go. The ultimate problem that Deep Space Industries wants to solve is actually a system of interconnected infrastructure issues related to the, quote, deep space ecosystem of the future. DSI's vision revolves around a future where there are hundreds, if not thousands, of spacecraft and in-space facilities owned and operated by various governments or other institutions that operate within or explore our solar system. Obviously, that ecosystem does not exist today, so the founders of Deep Space Industries are taking a page out of Elon Musk's book, aiming a company towards a lofty and admittedly low-probability future, much like Musk is doing with SpaceX. 
So the real magic behind companies like SpaceX and quite possibly Deep Space Industries is in their ability to monetize in the short term through business models that not only bring in revenue, but also develop the infrastructure, technologies, human capital, and partnerships needed to make progress towards those final visions. So with proper long-term execution, a company like Deep Space Industries won't have just expertly timed some future trend, which is a difficult enough proposition on its own. All the business activities they pursue now up until that future will have been instrumental in actually enabling that trend to happen. So before we dive into exactly what those specific business activities are, let's walk through a stripped-down version of how DSI may have arrived at their plan by working back from the company's final vision. All right, I will do my best to paint a word picture of what the future looks like if DSI is operating at scale as they want to be in the future. So in the future, there are hundreds of governments and other institutions that have very active space exploration programs, consisting of thousands of manned and unmanned spacecraft zooming around the solar system. Deep Space Industries is the sole or the leading provider of essential in-space services, from space-based refueling to materials manufacturing. Anything these various space exploration platforms need, DSI can offer. All right, now let's take a step back from that final vision and understand that there are two essential requirements for this vision. First, governments and other institutions need to have active space exploration programs, ideally using technologies that DSI has a unique ability to service. Second, DSI needs to have its entire value chain established to support this deep space ecosystem. Everything from its infrastructure to supply chain logistics to their pricing model Everything needs to be accounted for and established. Okay, let's take another step back. Again, this is the Russian nesting doll of evolving business models that are referenced in the upshot. There are some additional requirements and considerations for this last step before the final vision. First, very few governments currently have space exploration programs. On account of everything from the immense costs of setting one up to the lack of human capital to actually support the R&D and technology development to make a program like that happen. Second, there's no standard for space exploration technologies. For example, in the spacecraft propulsion market alone, there are dozens of subsystems to choose from, each with their own unique design and propellant sources. So we could go down this rabbit hole forever, really, but I think right now we've got the trappings of a trajectory for this company. Thinking about that first part of the last step back I just covered, if DSI can find a way to remove the cost and human capital constraints to starting a space exploration program, governments could in theory begin to justify investing in more robust space programs. So there's a goal that's much more near term than the final vision that DSI can sink their teeth into. An elegant part of focusing on this goal is that it can also help with the issue of standardization. The best way to bring down costs for a space exploration program is to make it a commodity, an out-of-the-box system that any government can purchase, calibrate, and launch. So if DSI can pull this off, the advantages are enormous. First, in the process of commoditizing a space exploration platform, they'll generate invaluable IP to inform the designs of their own asteroid mining tech. Second, by selling these platforms, DSI can create a potentially lucrative revenue stream. 
And third, and critical to the company's long-term vision, DSI can design these platforms to use materials and resources that the company can service from their asteroid mining activities. The clearest example is using water-based propulsion systems on the platforms they sell, because one of the more abundant resources found on the asteroids DSI plans to mine is water. So to boil it all down into very plain English, DSI needs to create the market of their long-term vision, a deep space ecosystem that they can sell materials and services to. To create that ecosystem, they need to build their own infrastructure while also helping as many entities as possible to explore space. To do those things, the company is developing out-of-the-box space platforms that are both cost-effective and reliant on resources DSI plans to sell in the future. And finally, to touch upon the company's current business activities, DSI is primarily focused on building two different kinds of satellites. The first kind will help them evaluate both asteroids for mining as well as the tech required to mine them, and the other kind represents the first attempt at standardizing spacecraft platforms, tapping into the rapidly growing small satellite market. To summarize everything in one sentence as best as I can, Deep Space Industries is a satellite manufacturer that hopes to one day create, sell, and service the systems that make up a robust space exploration ecosystem. To date, Deep Space Industries has had a couple big customer wins for satellite manufacturing contracts. They're currently slated to build over 30 satellites for their various customers over the next few years. The two big contracts are Hawkeye 360, which selected DSI as the satellite provider for its Pathfinder small satellite mini-constellation, and Dunvegan Space Systems, or DSS, which signed a contract with DSI to build a 24-bitsat satellite constellation, a bitsat being a satellite that delivers the Bitcoin blockchain from space. It's important to note as well that DSI has also made some important inroads within NASA, specifically winning some contracts related to NASA's Asteroid Redirect mission. The fact that DSI is headquartered within the NASA Ames Research Center probably doesn't hurt their ability to rub elbows with some key decision makers. All right, let's talk about the founding team here. So actually, with Deep Space Industries, there are no fewer than 11 founders. So in the interest of time, I've chosen three particular team members who will serve as a representative cross-section of the founding team. So let's start with Daniel Faber, who acts as CEO of Deep Space Industries. So Faber brings relevant experience from both an aerospace and a mining background, making him uniquely suited to lead an asteroid mining company. He's also got a degree in mechatronic engineering, which is a field that combines electrical, computer, mechanical, and control engineering. In terms of his aerospace background, he's held senior roles in a number of successful spacecraft projects, including a space telescope for locating and characterizing asteroids, a constellation of astronomy spacecraft, operational ship tracking, pressurized habitation modules, and remote sensing systems. In the mining industry, he invented and brought to market a field-deployable geochemical assay instrument based on non-contact real-time nuclear measurement techniques. So even if you don't have a background in mining, like I don't, and you don't understand exactly what that last part means, essentially, the fact that he's been in the mining industry and has invented technologies that can improve and optimize operations within it means that he's got the know-how to understand the challenges presented by something like asteroid mining. 
The next co-founder we'll talk about is Stephen Covey, who's the Director of Research and Development for Deep Space Industries, where his focus is the production of marketable products from asteroid materials. Obviously, this is an essential component of DSI's long-term aspirations. One of the most important contributions that Covey has made to the team and to the company is the microgravity foundry, something that he invented that's patent pending that DSI will use to transform asteroid material into metal parts using a compact and efficient 3D printing process. In terms of his background, he's worked in telecom research and development, software consulting for the Defense Department, process control, robotics, and the utilization of asteroid resources. So it's definitely clear that Stephen Covey is an essential part of this team. The final co-founder we'll talk about is Rick Tumlinson, and I'd be remiss not to mention him. He's the chair of DSI's board of directors, and he's been one of the most active and outspoken advocates in the space industry over the past 25 years. Some of his more notable roles in the industry include being a founding trustee of XPRIZE and a co-founding member of the Space Frontier Foundation. So that rounds out the team section. Let's jump into looking at the competition. So Planetary Resources is Deep Space Industries' true direct competitor, at least with regard to their shared long-term vision of exploring and utilizing resources from asteroids. So I'll give a quick overview of this company. Planetary Resources was founded in 2010, a few years before DSI, and they recently raised a $21 million Series A round in May 2016. The capital from that round of funding will be used primarily to deploy and operate Ceres, an advanced Earth observation business that features the first commercial infrared and hyperspectral sensor platform. So why is Planetary Resources, an asteroid mining company, getting into the Earth observation business? On the subject of developing and testing the asteroid mining hardware Planetary Resources will eventually need, Vice President Akshay Patel said, you know, as we dug into the capabilities of these instruments further and we're looking for ways to, frankly, test them out, uh, we discovered that if we just pointed them back at Earth, there were a number of applications that it could be used for. So in the same way that DSI has established a revenue stream in satellite manufacturing, Planetary Resources has found one in Earth observation. Honestly, the existence of a major competitor is likely a net positive for both companies. The fact that there is more than one company pursuing this vision provides a lot more legitimacy to the asteroid mining sector, making research and innovation in the sector more appealing to academics, entrepreneurs, investors, and policymakers. In fact, speaking about policymakers, in June of this year, Luxembourg, the country, announced that it would open a 200 million euro fund to entice companies focused on mining asteroids to locate there. That makes it the first state in Europe to give legal clarity to the commercial exploitation of asteroids. And both planetary resources and deep space industries have developed arrangements with Luxembourg to set up offices and partner with the country on their asteroid prospecting projects. Luxembourg is even considering a direct investment in planetary resources. Now, switching gears here a bit to talk about potential exits for either DSI or Planetary Resources, it's just far too early to really understand where each company will actually go. 
Again, since both companies have admitted that the vision of asteroid mining is low probability, it's likely that both companies will be forced to double down on their current business models of satellite manufacturing and Earth observation services, respectively. As such, both companies could see an exit from industry players in either of those sectors. Now, of course, if the likelihood of a growing deep space ecosystem increases, or if successful case studies in asteroid resource extraction are created, especially showing a healthy return on investment, the sector will likely see growing attention, innovation, and investment. At that stage, the possibility of a merger between DSI and planetary resources may come to the fore or offers for an outright acquisition or a majority stake may emerge from industry players with larger cash balances like SpaceX or Airbus. Let's talk about roadmap here. So in terms of DSI's next few years, I'm going to let the company speak for itself. Here's an audio clip from a video on DSI's website talking about the next two major milestones for the company, which will take place over the next five years. To begin this quest, we are launching Prospector X to demonstrate our revolutionary, yet rugged DSI technologies in low Earth orbit. Working with our partners in the government of Luxembourg, this tiny spacecraft will usher in a new era of clean space propulsion systems that are not only simple, but begin to build the deep space ecosystem of the future, as it uses water, one of the many resources we intend to harvest in space. Prospector X will prove our systems and technologies, preparing the way for the next step, Prospector 1, our first mission to an asteroid. Once launched into low Earth orbit, P-1 will use a dedicated small rocket booster to begin its voyage to our target. As it approaches the target, P-1 will fire its water thrusters to rendezvous. From increasingly closer distances, P-1 will carefully study and map the abundance of water on the target. Once this survey is completed, the information will be sent back to deep space operators, allowing us to begin to put together an assessment of the asteroid's makeup. Finally, P-1 will then land on the asteroid. This final maneuver will allow our science team to understand the asteroid's geotechnical characteristics, what miners call its digability. So there you have it. Prospector X is scheduled to launch next year, and DSI hopes to launch Prospector 1 before the end of the decade. And that's the most up-to-date roadmap for the company we have right now. So to wrap up this episode with some conclusions, Deep Space Industries appears to have the right mindset in pursuing its vision of mining asteroids. As a business, the company is far less risky than you might initially think when hearing that it's an asteroid mining company. Between its ability to generate revenue as a satellite manufacturer today and its strategic partnerships with NASA and the nation of Luxembourg, it seems like DSI is well-suited to become a profitable business while building the infrastructure that will position it to achieve its vision if and when the market is ready for their future services. Only time will tell how lucrative asteroid mining as a sector might be, but fortunately for DSI, much of the data that will inform decisions about this sector will come from their own technologies and space missions. And looking beyond fundamentals, I'm personally just a huge fan of the pioneering spirit that clearly drives this company. So here's wishing DSI the best of luck in the coming years. And that's it for this episode of Space Ventures Radio, the podcast that digs deep into new space ventures. 
I'm Raleigh Werner, and it's been awesome sharing this exciting company with you. You can stay updated on the latest with Space Ventures Radio on Twitter. The handle is at Space Tech Radio. Thanks again for listening, and have an awesome day. Take me high.